Hi, this is Quentin Tarantino and Jack Hill uh, on the audio commentary on uh, the Switchblade Sisters Laserdisc. Well, first things first, it just uh, uh, one of the, you know the first time I saw this movie, one of the things that just like uh, sucked me in right from the very beginning is just this opening credit sequence with the, uh, the this cool theme song. Yeah, that fellow who did the opening credit sequence was actually a very talented guy who went on to direct a movie called, I think, Slam Bam, Thank You, Spaceman. Oh, uh, yeah, I've heard of that movie, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of his name right now, but he did a beautiful job. And the music, of course, is actually written by Les Baxter, although his name mm -hmm. is not on the screen. I'd worked with Les before on The Big Dollhouse. He uh -huh. actually wrote the music for that. And uh, also came up with a great title song, which Pam Gurr sang. And I like, know. He, he wrote the song for Les Baxter, wrote 99, uh, 99 years? Yeah. Or... Oh, yes, yes, uh -huh. yes. I even had a little bit of hand in, in, uh, in changing some of the lyrics on that one. But uh, Oh, excellent. But, uh, yeah, he uh, had some people that, that worked with him that he uh, kind of guided them, and they, they, uh -huh. they did the work. But he was really behind it, and uh, he was a really great guy. He just recently died. Yeah, actually, I had no idea that Les Baxter uh, scored the film. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's become a kind of a cult figure recently too. Oh, you know, totally. His music, so it's good that people know that. Well, it was like one of those things where it's like uh, whenever AIP would uh, get an Italian film or whatever, they always throw away the soundtrack and just give it to Les Baxter to start all over again. Oh yeah, he did several hundred films like mm -hmm. that. Now, here's Robbie Lee. Mm -hmm. She. It was very interesting when uh, when she first came in. Uh, she struck me as my idea of a female James Cagney, and mm -hmm. that's why I cast her in the picture. <laughs> she has that kind of Cagney type of voice, right. and, uh, which I grew to hate eventually. But uh, <laughs> when you only see it for 90 minutes, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 so funny because she gives like just such such a stylized performance in this movie. But then if you look at her in a uh, um, uh, a Big Bad Mama, which she's in, she's not talking. The way she talks in this, like in Big Bad Mama, you know, she's not doesn't not doing the clenched teeth thing. Yeah, know? right. Well, actually, I've heard the comment that she speaks every line through clenched teeth. She doesn't actually. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, that's a particular mm -hmm. sound of her of her voice. <laughs> uh, recently, she's been doing diaper talking diaper commercials for which she's got the perfect voice for, I guess. Yeah, and she also like a. I've heard like yeah, she's been doing also like a. a um, uh, um, uh, Simpsons and everything, just doing yes. a cartoon voiceovers. Yes, I thought she was really quite a quite an astonishing talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she really got with the role. I'll say that something about it appealed to her. Uh, I think she's amazing. I got a repossession order on a TV, lady. Hey, I just made a payment this last week. Computer. Now, uh, you were telling me uh, who's playing uh, the the uh, collector here. Oh yes, that's the man who went on to direct. Uh, no, before this, he had directed Jackson County Jail. Mm -hmm. Look, you don't talk to me about it, lady. Which Those, is the two little girls there are my own daughters. Really? Yes. They're both grown up and married now. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like I, it blew me away when I heard that that, that, that this is Michael Miller. Michael Miller, that's mm -hmm. right. Yes. Well, you see, the thing is, it's like uh, uh, now he had done Jackson County Jail before this. Yes. Yes. Because like he was now he's a guy who was. Um, I never understood how he wasn't able to follow up Jackson County Jail because that seems like one of the most artfully directed movies that ever came out of New World Pictures. Yes, it was quite astonishing. Yeah. And one of Tom Lee Jones' best performances. Yes. Yeah, well, I guess he sort of, I guess it was, it was the first picture Tommy Lee Jones uh, mm -hmm. had a leading role in, isn't it? Yeah, he was just amazing in it. Yeah, Michael did this just for fun. He mm -hmm. thought it would be a fun thing to do, especially the scene that's coming up here. Right. He, he really liked that one. <laughs> this is great, the first, uh, the first big appearance of uh, the Dagger Debs. The gang, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, at the, when I first saw the, the film in the theater, I thought that particularly Robbie Lee and most of the actors were just really overplaying, and I was mm. just kind of cringing in my seat. And now, now it doesn't uh, look like that at all to me. But uh, of course, the difficulty with this film was that you could not do a realistic film about street gangs with a lot of blondes and hot pants. You know, it just would never be believable. Right. So the decision I had to make in the beginning was to make it really kind of an over-the-top kind of fantasy, mm. almost kind of operatic, you know, and just let the girls mm. really really run with it. Well, you had said that, uh, um, you know, the girls were really running with it while you were shooting it. And, you know, you said from time to time you, you would have, a, you know, a, a moment of doubt in, in a quiet moment, you know. Well, I had uh, a lot of moments of doubt, yeah, <laughs> with this film. I was always from the beginning never sure whether it would really work with the audience or not as a kind of a, because I intended it to be kind of a, a little bit futuristic. Mm -hmm. You know, that was in the, in the Nixon years and everything was kind mm -hmm. of sliding downhill and I wanted mm -hmm. to project what the society would be like and, right. you know, if things kept on going in that direction where uh, you would have beautiful blondes and street gangs. Right. Oh, it completely. I think the movie completely you know, captures this like you know alternative universe. Yeah, that's a yeah. good way to put it. <laughs> Parallel universe. Huh? But the, like uh, yeah. uh, the uh, um, I I think the I think the performances by the gals are fantastic. I mean, I really it's it's funny because it's like uh, one of the things about it is I've seen the movie quite a few times now, and I've shown it with quite a few different people who've seen it, and it's like. Um, and like you know, uh, uh, you know Robbie Lee's performance and stuff, and you know uh, Monica Gale, uh, who's Patch there, the girl with the the girl with the eye patch. Uh, just they just gained depth. With yeah, Monica was really quite quite good. She was in a she had a played uh, a lead in a film called Nashville Girl, which mm -hmm. I haven't ever seen, where she played a, a southern uh, singer. It's a good movie. I have it. Yeah, you, you've seen it. Uh -huh. Yeah, Gus yeah. Gus Trankos directed that. Oh yes, mm -hmm. yeah. And these these boys all worked so well together too. Right. They just really clicked. Let's like a uh, um, when we see uh, um, one of the gals, uh, one of the gals or guys show up. Let's kind of talk about it. We've talked about Robbie Lee a little bit. There's a uh, uh, Asher Bauer, Browner, Asher Browner, Browner. Mm -hmm. Browner. And um, I remember, I remember him at this time. He'd done, uh, you know, he'd done. He was doing a few things for a while. He had a TV show called yeah. Bad Cats with yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, and it was sort of like a. It was like at the time of the Dukes of Hazard. It was a, uh, um, kind of a, a car chase show, and he was in a couple movies. He was in a movie called The Boss's Son. All right, which is one of the first big independent art films that came out like in the late 70s yeah. when they were starting to do those. And that's Kitty Bruce. Kitty Bruce, that is mm -hmm. Lenny Bruce's daughter, right? Mm -hmm. We did not cast her for that reason, mm -hmm. but uh, actually it's interesting. I can tell you that uh, I had actually seen her when she was a baby. I knew Lenny Bruce when he was a burlesque comedian in the 50s. And uh, he lived in a, in, a, in, a, in a hotel where I used to go and... Um, sit around the pool and his uh, wife and they had their baby daughter there and that turned out to be Kitty Bruce. <laughs> and she was she was quite talented also. Now, uh, when we're going to um, Monica Gale's going to pop up in here here and do a big bit before she does her yeah. before she does her bit. Why don't you talk a little bit about the uh, um uh, I, I love these I love these two extras here. They are the greatest. <laughs> um, but um, why don't you talk a little bit about the what you were uh, you were describing uh, before about kind of the Othello theme? Well, yeah, the 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 basis of the uh, story is the is the Othello relationship, and of course, uh, Monica Gale there is the Iago, mm -hmm. and uh, it's 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 not a relationship with. Um, uh, as it is in Shakespeare, exactly. Mm -hmm. but, and in fact, the actresses didn't even know that. Uh, when I when I talked to them recently, when we did mm -hmm. some some videotaping uh, interviews mm -hmm. of the actresses, it was the first time they'd heard that, and they were really really puzzled. And then they they caught on, and they said, mm -hmm. "Oh yeah, no, I get it." <laughs> and uh, 
of course, uh, in this one, uh, lace is driven to uh, by jealousy. Right. Now, this is uh, 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 Joanne Nall. Joanne Nall, right. Joanne Nall. And uh, uh, yeah, she had just come from uh, from Broadway. She was a serious mm -hmm. actress. She'd been playing Shakespeare comedy on Broadway, mm. and uh, she walked in uh, looking tough. And I mm -hmm. said, "Hey, we got it. This actress is perfect for the role." No, oh, she's yeah, she, she's she's uh, she's terrific in it. And she's she was also in um, uh, uh, the Visitor, and she was in Gumball Rally. She was yeah. uh, one of the, uh, the the her and Susan Flannery are the two girls in the uh -huh. in the Gumball Rally race. Yeah. She was in uh, another movie. I can't think of it right now off the top of my head. That you know, but uh, um, she was in that. But now, what I was going to say also about uh, Monica Gale. Who I'm a big, big fan of in this film is uh, I've talked about this with other people before. You know, she's definitely playing Yago. Yeah. In yeah. this, and I think she is gives an excellent performance in this movie. As far as I'm concerned, hers is my favorite performance of Yago on film. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm serious. It's like, just, like, just like you know, uh, just like like Basil Rathbone's performance in Tower of London is my is as what I consider the the greatest Richard the Third captured on cinema. Yes, yes. Her, you know, uh, hers is my favorite Iago. Uh, coming up now, we're gonna have uh, uh, this is, uh, Bob Miner yeah. uh, as a cop. Yeah, one of my. Favorite. Uh, he was actually the stunt coordinator. On, on There's the Bob Miner. There's Bob. Yeah. The black guy. He was the stunt coordinator as, mm -hmm. as well as playing this role. And uh, he he's done many uh, films with me. He was in mm -hmm. Coffee and Foxy Brown, and he was a stunt coordinator and all those. Well, it was like, it was, for you know, in the 70s and exploitation films, you almost couldn't watch one, it seemed like, without Bob Miner showing up, you know. Yeah. He, he'd have a big part or he'd have like one line, you know, but he was always the stunt coordinator. Yeah. You know? Officer, I'm not with Sam. Yeah, yeah. This scene, by the way, is uh, shot in a town named Eagle Rock in uh, <laughs> the north part of Los Angeles. Yeah, I know. I know where Eagle Rock is. I shot uh, 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 I shot some scenes of Reservoir Dogs in Eagle Rock. Ah. Mm -hmm. Eagle Rock and Highland Park, which are right next to each other. Uh-huh. The, the fast food place is still there, actually. Oh, JoJo's. Jobo's. Well, it's not called Jobo's, no. <laughs> we invented that name. <laughs> okay, now, that girl right there, okay, that's Bunny, all right? Uh, 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 Janice Carmen. Janice Carmen, yes. Now... Bunny is, to me, amazing because she doesn't really have that much to do in the movie, and she makes the impression all of, that all the other girls make. She is so charismatic yeah. in this movie. In fact, I showed the movie to uh, 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 Rick Linkletter, and uh, he fell completely and hopelessly in love with Bunny, all right? And every time Bunny showed up, hey, Bunny, it's my gal, man, it's Bunny. <laughs> I was really looking forward to seeing Bunny at the premiere. I was sad when she wasn't yes, there. Yes, I, I, I think she lives in New York. Okay, everybody, hands up. She's married to a uh, major uh, producer. Mm -hmm. I can't think of his name right now. So. She just did a great job. We we uh, we pushed her on the poster and everything. Cause yeah. she, we just you know, uh, me and Jerry Martinez who uh, uh, drew the poster and came up with the campaign. We just adore Bunny. She does one of the voices of those little animals, and you know what the one I'm talking about. Here? Sorry. Little little animal? What? Yeah, there's some television program. Oh god. Is it right now? She does it now? Yeah, or has been. I don't know. She's oh, wow. No, this is Mom Smackley. This is Kate Murtaugh, yeah. This is like actually you know, uh she is this is a this one, this is just a great scene. One of the things I like about this movie so much is how because it's kind of like you know, somewhat the philosophy I feel when I make a movie. It's like I'm never gonna live long enough to make all the movies 
that I want to make. So I always feel like I have to uh, uh, knock out at least five movies with each one movie, you know, five different genres, five different things. And of all your movies, Switchblade Sisters totally has that uh, um, that kitchen sink quality of like, you know, there's like five or six different genres. And like, and when it falls into those genres, it is that. Like, and this is def this is a, a full-on woman in prison scene right here. Well, now this uh, scene here with the implied uh, lesbianism mm -hmm. has been rather controversial lately. It's mm -hmm. definitely not uh, PC, although mm -hmm. oddly enough, at the same time, the film uh, has turned out to be a popular lesbian cult favorite. Oh, that's film. no doubt. And yet uh, other people have called it uh, homophobic. Mm -hmm. So uh, these things are just uh, depending on how you look at it, I guess. Is it the heart, the biggest, one of the biggest problems with um, um, uh, what I consider jerks looking at the movie now and, and uh, uh, um, uh, applying uh, their, um, their what, what, you know, whatever doctrine to it. Uh, things that bother me about that is the fact that there's there's no when they when they make their comments there's no sense of history for of what this is and from whence this came all right you know and you know this this is a this is you know this is a standard scene that's n normally played straight in like you know in in 40 different movies made at this time and even in the 50s they did like their own versions of it this is the same scene except it's actually this scene is actually raunchier, even though you don't see anything. The dialogue and the talk and everything that's implied, all right, is much more raunchier and 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 uh, uh, but, but pitched to a point. I mean, her performance is just excellent. Every line, time she opens her mouth, the lines are fantastic. It's like a, uh, I love that line. That's great. <laughs> and it's like when I watch this in theaters with audiences. When they realize she's actually going to do the search or she's putting on the glove, the audience is like, oh, my God, you know, th this isn't a lot of tough talk. This is this is really gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> something happens when she puts on that rubber glove. Everybody kind of cringes. All right. There's a big, uh, like, like, like Star Trek fight. <laughs> See yeah. <you> on Star Trek. <laughs> Now, there's one thing I, uh, that kind of cracks me up because I can see you're doing it there is, uh, <laughs> is you know, you're, 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 you're taking from a couple of scenes and you're, and you're building uh, the, the soundtrack, all right, you know, to create all the chaos and everything. And you have like one of Mom Smackley's lines, you know, where she's going, what the hell, what the hell? And you like kind of repeat it throughout the whole scene just over the soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, I think she actually did that. She, she actually did repeat that. Oh, she just kept saying it. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> she was improvising the dialogue at that point. Now, I met Robbie Lee's mother. Yes, she plays a part in the film. Oh, yeah, she's, she's the woman at the beginning where the, they take the TV set away. Uh, no, I think she's the um, the uh, one who plays Joanne Nail's mother. Oh, she is? Oh, that's Robbie yeah. Lee's mother. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't know she um, And she was saying that... Um, that uh, 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 Kate Murtaugh came up to her at some point during the shoot yeah. and said that, you know, and, and implied that she was very intimidated by Robbie Lee. That like, you know, that when they were doing their scenes together, when we were doing this, she was very, very scared because Robbie scared her. Robbie just actually scared her. Oh, she looks tough in this movie. Yeah, and the, the, the you know, and, and, and you know, and the mother and her and Robbie Lee's mother was just saying, "Oh God, is she's because you know Robbie's like you know as you know big as a blade of grass, yeah. and you know, Kate Murtaugh is as big as a building, and uh, uh, but she's you know Robbie Lee was just so in character and stuff. She never quite broke it in those scenes and stuff. And like that, this scene, this thing when she has her, yeah. you know, Kate Murtaugh was actually very scared. Really, <laughs> mm -hmm. I love this outfit here. 
of uh we had a very talented costume designer actually mm-hmm. uh, all the costumes are were very very carefully thought out and, mm-hmm. and discussed jody thielen uh, right is that is that how you pronounce her name jody thielen i think or something like that tillen 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 yeah now um there was a uh, another interesting thing when uh um uh uh guy who runs Rolling Thunder with me, Jerry Martinez, he drew the poster. And when he was drawing the poster, he told me a wonderful story about um, he's drawing the girls and stuff. And then he showed you, you know, the uh, what he'd worked on so far, all right, on the poster. And you, you're looking at the poster, and he said one of the first things that you said was, oh, wait a minute, where, where's... Uh, 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 where's Maggie's belt? That's yeah. a weapon. She's got to have her belt. Oh yeah. All right. You got to put her, her belt in there. That's you know. It, it, it was great because it's like it's like it's like talking to a guy who made a kung fu movie. Oh no, he's, he needs his he needs his flying guillotine. All right, that's his weapon. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and it was just such a it was it was like one of my favorite response of of, of of all your input on on the release. That was like my favorite line. My favorite thing I'd heard you say. Well, well she needs her belt. That's her weapon. <laughs> Yeah, so the belt was a product of a lot of discussion, and uh, the actress uh, practiced with it, too. She really got quite good with it. Now, this scene, this scene is terrific, and particularly when you watch it with, uh, um, in a theater with an audience. Because up until now, everything's just been kind of fun and everybody's been like a falling all through it and stuff. But, and, and so the audience is in that vibe. That's where the audience kind of is. But this is the scene, when this scene starts happening, little by little, you start like kind of feeling the audience in the theater go, oh, wait a minute. Yes, this, this isn't was, uh... this isn't funny. This is like this is fucked. This is uh you know uh, you you know what I mean. And it, it's always wonderful when you when you you know, you know feel the audience building and building and building. And think they're they're in just for just a rowdy good time, and then the tone starts shifting, and they're and 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 they're just not prepared for it. Yes, well, that was deliberate on my uh, on my part. I wanted to really draw the audience into something really serious at this at this moment, so that really really get them going. She wants you to read. For you. Yeah, the scene where he reads the letter is, uh, I think, is the best played scene in, in the film. Mm. The actors are really perfect with it. Oh, they are. And you really feel it, what's happening here. Pussy whip. Yeah, I ought to get in my skirt. Hey, <laughs> read the letter, Dom, like you said. Asher's really, really good in this scene. Yeah, he's He's good. terrific in every scene, but he's, he's, he's he, he really knocks it out of the park in this scene. He is a very talented actor. Mm-hmm. He's a serious theater actor too. Also, oh, no, I, I just—he uh, did a production in Los Angeles uh, a couple months ago of a detective story. Detective story. He, he was the lead. He played the Kurt Douglas role, in, yeah. and he was—he was—he was terrific. Tonight, counting the days till I can lie in your arms again <laughs> <laughs> and tell you about the special surprise. The scene also has a, a, a special resonance uh, when I've watched it in th- in uh, with in, in in theaters and with audiences. With the women in the audience. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, they, like I said, because like you know, they've been kind of like you know, not knowing if you know, you know, either they've been like either they get the joke about the movie and they've been hooting along with it, or they don't know how they're supposed to feel about it. But you know, the invasion of this scene really gets to them. Yes. And like, oh, like your eyes when when you hold your hand so gently between. That's enough, you bastard. 
There's been a lot of criticism uh, of this film recently over the uh, the so sort of rape scene that follows, mm. and uh, it always you know it was a subject of a lot of discussion when we were working on the script also mm -hmm. because that's something that I find uh, normally would be very uh, distasteful to show mm -hmm. a woman being raped and then not seeming to mind it, mm -hmm. but if you put it in the context of the scene you just saw, it seems to me that the two characters have uh, engaged in a certain kind of bargain there, oh. and what follows uh, follows naturally from that. And uh, it's uh, the kind of thing that people don't talk about or even mm -hmm. think about consciously, and yet it's a kind of a code that they both understand. Right. But uh, a lot of people don't get it. They just say, "Boy, this is really disgusting." Well, they're not like. Well, you know, the, the problem the problem with comments like that is they're they're reacting to the point as opposed to watching the movie and seeing how it falls in the the you know the context of the story, like you're saying. Now it's funny because you know to tell you the truth. It's always been a it's it's been a classic uh, um, uh, 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 plot device in in particularly like in Pulp Fiction. Or I'm not not in my movie, but I mean in, like in, in 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 you know the dime store novels and everything. Whether it be a western or, or, or you know early uh, uh, gangster stories and stuff, is the guy who rapes the girl. All right, and she likes it. All right, and that you know he 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 you know he warmed her up basically. You know she was frosty, and he 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 turned the heat on, and she liked it. Yeah, well, this but is, this is not this is not but this is not the case here though. This is not this is not that. No, I think she's a very feminist uh, image yeah. here. I mean, he tears her blouse, and she responds by tearing his shirt. Right. Well, that's uh, what could be more. Well, it's, well, it's the th well the whole the, the the whole crux of the scene is she wants to have sex with a guy. She's into it, but but she has a, an honor and a loyalty That's right. to Lace. She would never go there. But now, you know, he's That's raping right. her. He's making her, all right? Yeah. And so she's, you know, so she's, you know, so it's like, hey, this is kind of out of my hands, you know? He's kind of doing this to me, all right? Yeah. And then they had this, like, great Maggie, scene right I afterwards. out of there right now! Hey, will you shut up? <laughs> Get out of here, you smart-ass punk! Actually, I um, got the idea for the scene from The Fountainhead, which was a, uh, a novel in, in, the, in the 40s that was very, very popular with women. It was made into a film with, uh, with Gary Cooper, and uh, nobody criticized it then. And uh, you know, it has been popular with women for many, many, many years. Right. And uh, I guess it's the difference between Gary Cooper and Asher Browner. Maybe that's the difference. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know... Um... I think it's it's a it's you know uh, it's it's the problem is like like I said before it's like people uh, they're not actually watching the movie and how it's flowing they're taking an individual scene and That's they're putting right. it under a microscope and they're yeah. and they're and and they're finding fault with the politics but movies aren't about politics movies are about telling a story and characters going in the flow of what they're going in yeah well at the time we worked on the story I mean I was very sensitive about issues like mm -hmm. that and uh, it wasn't something we just uh, threw in right okay a lot of thought went into it. My dad. You got what you wanted, so why don't you run along? Or ain't you finished yet? What are you so pissed about? You asked for it, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I, I know how women feel about that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not on Nikki's side. <laughs> You see, but the line you asked for it has a has a very very double meaning. There, oh yeah. You know? I mean, actually, it's 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 funny because I mean, one of the things that really I find rather resonant and kind of and rather moving about the movie, it's what makes it so sad is the fact that um, Maggie truly is like Lace's friend to the bitter end. You know, oh, yes. she, she has a, a you know she has a, a Hoxian 
you know, kind of, uh, you know, loyalty and friendship with her. And, um, and, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, she, you know, you know, Nikki did that, but that's it though. That's kind of, that's a one-off thing that won't ever happen again. And she'll back lace all the way. Yes, there's a, there's a there's a very uh, interesting kind of uh, bonding between mm-hmm. women who uh, who who share the same uh, love for the same man. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I haven't seen it explored very often. And the thing is, like you know, again, so ironic is is the fact that it's like at the end of the day, you know, Nikki doesn't deserve either one of these two women. <laughs> no, of course not. No, <laughs> he no. doesn't. You know, the, these are you know these two chicks are are, are you know. They're cut from great cloth here, you know, and uh, and it's like, you know, get rid of him and like, you know, just be friends with, you know, that's why it's so sad when, when. Well, I think that's one of the reasons the film has been referred to as a kind of a feminist manifesto, too. Right. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's very, very definitely that the, uh, the women find out that right. uh, they feel better off without the man. Right. Now, this is a... a uh, the the student here, he's one of the guys from uh, somebody told me he's one of the guys from uh, uh, the Bob Newhart show and the Daryl Daryl and Daryl. Oh, is he not? Yeah. <laughs> this uh, scene was shot in the junior high school where I actually went to school in Hollywood. <laughs> the building was condemned as being not seismically safe, and that's why we were able to use it. It's still standing today, by the way, after all the earthquakes. <laughs> now, um, a very interesting comment that I heard. Um, I'm friends with a. Uh, um, is uh, a comedian, Margaret Cho, and she's a stand-up comedian. She's a terrific comedian. Comment she made to me about when we, we watched Switchblade Sisters a while ago, and she actually nailed something. I was like commenting on the movie. There's like the little different lines, like when the guy's like, hey, chicken ass, you know, do this, chicken ass, you know? And then like, you know, later, uh, Nikki's brother says like, you know, you know, I think he lost his marbles, or you know, just all these like weird words. All these like you know, continually like weird, strange, you know, like strange words are almost like the dialogue is building a rhythm and the rhythm is broken. And I'm watching a God, this is like this, this dialogue is so peculiar. It's just like such a peculiar rhythm. And Margaret mentioned, she said, you know, she goes, well, what he's doing is he's actually he's building a beat and then throwing in a sour note. <laughs> At the end, it's not exactly you know. You, most people you build a beat, ba 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 ba, and then you end on like you you end on the beat, and you're actually throwing in the wrong note at the end of it. All right, so it's calling kind of on off on off, and I go, oh, she's a stand-up comedian. She complete, of course, she completely understands that kind of rhythm. Well, interestingly enough, the uh, screenwriter Fran Mayer, who did the original uh, screenplay, he had uh, he was quite a uh, political idealist. He'd been in Africa with the Peace Corps, and uh, he is today. Uh, Edits a the official Catholic newspaper, and uh, he has very mixed uh, feelings about having done this film, <laughs> being working for the Archbishop. But uh, he came up with uh, with a lot of the expressions. I uh, I did a lot of rewriting of the dialogue mm-hmm. myself, but uh, the, the kind of words that you're talking about are, mm-hmm. are a lot of them are, are his. It's just it's, they're just not the they're just not the lines of the words that you know one you know you would expect them to say, yes. and then and then, and then they sound a little weird to your ear. Uh, in fact, uh, when um, uh, in the LA Weekly, when Manila Dargis reviewed the film, she even made comment of it. She, it, the, you know, she, she described the uh, on the beat, off the beat uh, yes. dialogue. Boys, uh, may I join you? Well, actually, I had never really been aware of it myself until you pointed it out to me one day. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't plan uh, <laughs> things that way. I just kind of write what feels right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think the kind of rhythm you're talking about, though, does uh, that is something I do recognize, and that comes from my musical background, being trained mm-hmm. as a composer. 
listen. Uh, I try to. I try to have a, a kind of, in a sense, a musical form to uh, scenes. Right. In terms of the, when to move, go fast and when to go slow and right. when to turn things around suddenly. Yeah, I do think of that. Well, it made me um, <clears throat> made me think about it because uh, as a, a, a writer myself, I very much you know, my dialogue has a. a um, a beat and a rhythm to it. And I'm always going with the beat, you know, so it was very interesting to see, you know, oh, yeah. somebody going with the beat and at the last minute, you know. <laughs> well, your, your dialogue is just absolutely astonishing. No, oh, thanks. I, I wish that I had uh, had the nerve when I was doing these films to write as much dialogue as, as you do. <laughs> I think people would have looked, the producers would have looked at the page and said, cut this dialogue. <laughs> I have, the, I have the benefit of uh, um, uh, having confidence in my dialogue where another director wouldn't. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know how that feels, all right. Yeah. I'm always afraid that I've written too much dialogue. I always want to cut it and cut it. And uh, sometimes that's a mistake. Is it one of the big things? It's like, uh, again, it's also coming from a, a low-budget mentality where I'm coming from. It's like uh, very few sets in my movies. Once my characters get someplace, they hang out there and yeah. bullshit for a while. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, one of my favorite scenes too. There's really a lot of subtleties going on in this uh, in the scene that we just mm -hmm. saw there. Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, this is a scene where, like, you know, uh, all plot points converge. Yeah. <laughs> From here on in, the the rest of the movie will never be the same. Yeah, people have asked me about the relationship between Patch and Lace. Is there some kind of uh, on uh, some kind of um, lesbian attraction there, and I never had any such uh, thought at all. Uh, a lot of people do read that into it, mm -hmm. but it's uh, purely a matter of um, of uh, bonding mm -hmm. and uh, trust, you know. And uh, there's no there's no sexual uh, bonding between those two characters at all. At least not in my mind. Right. I don't believe it. Hook is a liar. Yeah. Well, just think what you. Yeah. 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 This scene. Yeah. This. This is a this is a full on Othello scene right here. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's this is the one. Yeah, yeah. It's got everything but the handkerchief. Somebody actually pointed out there was a handkerchief in the uh, in in the story, and I hadn't seen it as the handkerchief that's used on Othello. But uh... but why would Maggie do that? Because you got what she wants. <laughs> She's just like sitting in her bedroom drinking. Yeah, they're just sitting in their bedrooms in, in Lace's bedroom drinking beer. <laughs> Now that's Maggie's bed. I mean, that's a uh, that's Patch's bedroom, right? It's it's uh, Maggie's, Maggie's Maggie's bedroom. Yeah, Maggie's bedroom. It's the same bedroom mm -hmm. we saw in the opening mm -hmm. where she's sharpening the knife. Someone else uh, pointed out to me, uh, asked me also uh, something that I had never thought of. Also, and in the very very opening scene in the movie, we see uh, uh, Lace uh, standing in front of the mirror and kind of patting her waist and checking out how the fit of her of her jeans. And someone asked me if she was aware by that time that she was pregnant and mm -hmm. she was looking at her figure. I'd never had that thought at all. Oh, I know. That's like uh, uh, but, uh, that's, yeah, that's exactly what she looks like she's doing. Yeah, but it could be. Of course, we mm -hmm. wouldn't know at that time. You'd have to see the picture twice to get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, <sighs> yeah, you're right. that's exactly what she's doing. Yeah, it could I'm, be. I'm yeah. sure that's probably what Robbie was thinking at the time. I think it probably is. Yeah, because she's a very thoughtful actress. Mm -hmm. She analyzed her work very, very carefully. I love, oh, I love certain things like this you never see in movies. Like, I'm serious. I'm like just digging on the fact. That they're hanging out in Lace's bedroom drinking beer. Yeah. All right, you, know, yeah. you don't see stuff like that anymore in a uh, bar, even at a table, but like in the bedroom, just like pounding, you know, Olympia beer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, this girl, this uh, uh, guy's a uh, uh, a girlfriend. Cherry. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember the actress's name. She is a cute little honey boy. I mean, yeah. every time she, show, every time I've seen the movie, and she should go, "Who is this like little darling?" Just walks in the movie and walks out. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the sad things about uh, Hollywood is that there's so many very remarkably talented people who mm -hmm. just, uh, by uh, force of their karma, mm -hmm. luck, they just don't really get a chance. And uh, there's some very, very talented players in this film who uh, who uh, did go on to some good things and some who didn't. It's just uh, luck. Well, I was so I was so excited to to uh, to meet most of the people um, at the uh, uh, at the premiere that we had when the movie opened yeah. because see I'm, I always do that all the time is because I'm always like a. Um, and normally when you cast a movie, and this is getting off the subject, but it's an interesting enough subject, I guess. Uh, you go to uh, uh, cast a film, and most directors don't know anything about actors other than who's like the star and everything. So it's the casting director, you know, has a whole list of actors they want to bring in. And basically they're, they're the actors of the moment. You know, they're the ones in rotation, the ones, you know, doing stuff. All right. Now, I was an actor once. and <laughs> like I was never in that rotation. All right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to you know, uh, find some people that weren't on the, you know, on the, on, on the route of casting directors yeah. but the thing is i'd come and give like a list of actors i wanted to have come in and i'd have like a hundred actors on that list and the casting director didn't know who any of them were hmm. and most of them you know it would be like somebody like asher Bronner or somebody like that you know and it was like we got to find these guys i don't you know i don't know if they're still acting right now i don't know if they have a current agent or or not all right you got to find them all right, and uh, and some of them, it's just like kind of hard to track them down to find out what they're doing and stuff, you know. And then some of them, it's really sad, is because it's a situation where they like a, uh, um, where they actually are actors, they're actually even living in town, but they're so out of the loop that they can't even find them. You know, I was trying to find Max Julian for a part of who played the Mac for a part in Pulp Fiction. All right, and just the casting just could never find him. She could never find him, and he eventually called me. Because he had heard I was like you know you know Dick Anthony Williams or somebody who was in the Mac Two would come in and read because he's still in the rotation and say how can I get Max Julian and that's how he called up. But the casting directors couldn't even find him. Uh, it's very important to have a good casting director who, mm -hmm. who knows all the people. I have very seldom ever been able to work with a casting director. Mm -hmm. This is one of the few films that I did have a casting director. Mm -hmm. He was a very talented guy who also had an acting school, mm -hmm. and so he was able to. Uh, uh, to work closely with a lot of the people that he knew and see them uh, on the stage and, and work with them himself. And so right. he brought, uh, he just brought some, so many talented people. I wish I could have had all of them in, in the movie. Right. Try me. I've always actually, uh, it was like talking through it. I've always loved uh, uh, um, uh, Nikki's uh, little speech there. Oh, where he says, uh, yeah. where he says, uh, my dad, God rest his ass, yeah. once told me, son, don't ever let him push you because once right. they get you moving, it's awful hard to stop you. I, I used that line in Pit Stop also. I'd forgotten that I'd used it. Well, actually, to tell you the truth, I, I, I wish I could remember. I can't remember exactly what I did, but I actually ripped off that line in a movie, in a movie I wrote. I can't remember what movie it was, but uh, not the push, just like, God rest his ass. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Again, that was like one of those, like, uh, uh, you know, the, the last word is not the word you'd expect to see, <laughs> you'd expect to hear. And I put, I put it in some movie. I can't think of what it was. I can't remember which one oh, it yeah, was. You're welcome to it. So. <laughs> it's an out and out theft. Yeah. 
Well, we all steal things in one version or another from other movies. Uh, like I pointed out the scene that I got from the Fountainhead, and right. then, uh, you know how that is. Yeah. But uh, we try to uh, to use uh, sometimes cliches, uh, setting up a scene as a cliche where the audience thinks they know what's going to happen, and then do a twist on it to surprise them. So you right. can actually use cliche for uh, for uh, for an advantage. Now this actor here, I think his name Bill Adler. Yes. You know, Bill Adler. He was a. Uh, uh, um, a uh, big member of the uh, um, uh, Crown International Stock Company. He did about like maybe seven or eight Crown International movies in oh, uh, uh, um, the 70s. You know, he's in The Van, he's in uh, Pom Pom Girls, and he was the lead in um, uh, Van Nuys Boulevard. And he was just, he was in a, a ton of stuff. And uh, again, one of those actors I, you know, I grew up watching and seeing him in exploitation films, and I haven't seen him in the last like 10 years or so, but uh, it was it's cool to see him pop up in this. Now I would love. I think this actor Chase Newhart is so funny in this movie. Yes. I I don't know anything he's ever done before or since, but he's terrific in this. Uh, I'll be right I think your producer John Preisner, uh, uh, Preiser, told me uh, um, that Chase Newhart used to be Joel Silver's roommate in college. Yes. That's right. That's a very, uh, that's like a wild story. <laughs> yeah, small world, they say. You, by any chance, wouldn't know where the uh, uh, crab's uh, medallion is uh, this day, do you? No, it's been lost. Uh, that's the question has come up. <laughs> and uh, that's after 20 years. It's hard to keep track of something like that. Because I'm a, uh, you know, I love stuff like that uh, myself. It's like uh, on every movie I do, I, I keep Every key prop. I have every, you know, I have really? Bruce Willis's samurai sword. I have Michael Madsen's straight razor. Uh, I have everything. Well, if, right? I, if I find it, I'll let you know. I'll put it on auction next to Judy Garland's slippers. But it's so funny because I always like keep that stuff because, like, oh, this will just like get destroyed or ruined. I'm going to keep yeah. all that stuff, you know. Go to the French Cemetery someday. No, this is a great scene with the clothing. Here's another mm -hmm. thing that with the wardrobe people, we worked out very carefully to give this uh, the gang their, their colorful shirts and so mm -hmm. on. Actually, it was patterned after an existing uh, East LA street gang who wore those kind of outfits. They, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one of the things. Like now, it just seems so anachronistic that like you know, a street gang would be like you know dressing like Elton John. <laughs> well, that, that's because they're very very involved in uh, in politics. You mm -hmm. see, they they've got this front. Is that, is that Roosevelt on the on the wall behind her? Uh, could be. <laughs> I don't remember. He's <laughs> like FDR there. Dollar wise. I guess I better get right to the point, Mr. Uh, Kravitz. Kravitz. Um. I lied. Oh, really? It was. You see, I'm trying to join the Dagger Debs, and the President Dominic said that he'd take me if I delivered. Most of the, this was uh, shot on a set on a sound on a sound stage. Most mm -hmm. of the interiors in the film were shot on a sound stage. Mm -hmm. It was even at that time it was very fashionable for everybody to go on real locations, and uh, I always found that uh, you get much more better results uh, working on a sound stage. You don't mm -hmm. have to spend all that time rigging up wiring and worrying about power and, right. and, and lighting. And the actors have a place where they can be quiet and keep yeah. to themselves and prepare. And uh, so I always. Uh, when I was doing films with AIP, I always had this struggle with them. They thought they would uh, get by cheaper doing things on, on location, and I always uh, try to fight it uh, uselessly, but it uh, works much better. Yeah, it's one of those things where actually the, the next movie I'm going to do is going to all be shot like a, a pretty much uh, on a um, 
uh, in a, um, actual locations, but almost everything yeah. I've done before this. Really? All right, I did uh, on soundstage. I actually just, you know, uh, you know, we we. Oh, on Pulp Fiction, almost we built almost everything. Really? Yeah, yeah it looked but, very good. Yeah, if it, if it wasn't a house where we could actually just get a house or something like that, it was probably built. Yeah. Well, I was very conscious of sets and how to use them because my father yeah. was an art director yeah. for many, many, many years at Warner's. That's also for the, the, the part of the reason what you're saying is like you're not spending all that time dicking around looking for junction boxes or anything. You you yeah, create your own I'm, world and and you're in that world. You have all the time. To, you know, you, your time is well spent, and you're there. Did I ever tell you my father designed the Disneyland castle? No, you didn't. And Tom Sawyer's Island. And no kidding. He did all the uh, interiors of Captain Nemo's submarine and Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Oh man, that is like that's really cool. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, and here's a scene some people have have found very astonishing that she can throw the chair through the through the wall. It seemed, uh, I love this is this is a Pam Greer move. This is so cool. That's yeah. like you, her first response is to just bust down the wall. I think that's so cool. Well, yes, it isn't really a wall. I mean, it's just a, yeah, uh, a partition a... that's normally set up in offices, and a lot right. of people find it surprising, which I can never quite see why. Oh, no, I think that's great. No, that's, 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 that's Maggie's uh, bravado. Yeah. <laughs> she enjoyed the scene, I can tell you that. <laughs> what are you looking at? I tell you something, all of the actresses really loved these scenes where they where they beat up on the guys and get right. better of them. That's a <laughs> certain kind of makes it a little it's a little scary when you think about it. <laughs> I th I think that women are always conscious of of the sort of uh, this kind of of um, potential danger, you know, in in the male's physical superiority, and I think they kind of uh, enjoy seeing seeing the tables turn. Oh yeah. In fantasy, at least. <laughs> but it has to be done the right way. It has to right. be a it has to be a, a female physical action. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in films when you have uh, when you have a, a woman sort of doing manly type of action, mm -hmm. there's something that doesn't really quite work about it. The the, the action that that a woman ha does has got to be a, a particularly woman like action. You know, that a man would not think of. Oh yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, it's like a. Uh, um... I was always very proud of uh, uh, the scene that I wrote in, in True Romance, where uh, uh, Patty Arquette, huh? you know, is uh, confronted with the, uh, the 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 killer, and he's like beating the shit out of her, and she turns the tables on him, you know, uh -huh. uh, through like ingenuity, and ends up like really fucking him up. Yes. Just twenty more bucks, and you can quit. Okay. I get inside. My wonderful bunny. Hey there, Einstein. How about a little something to uh, relax the nerve? Guaranteed fresh merchandise. <laughs> no, I can't. I got to get back to my chemistry class. Well, look, a couple minutes with Barney here. We'll uh, flatten out your sign curves. And it's only uh, five bucks. No, I can't. Can't? From a man of science. It's so funny. Before the girls turn the tables on the, on the you know, um, uh, on the on the daggers, yeah, they uh, seem submissive, don't they? I'm they just, they do, and they, they'd be always like, "Why are they putting up with this shit? Why are they letting yeah. like a, a scumbag like yeah. Hook slap big, them and you know uh, do this?" Because you know? their consciousness has not been raised yet. It definitely, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's why you see with uh, with Maggie being the mm -hmm. the catalyst that uh, right. that does it. You know, then they immediately it's it's like a revolution. It kind of catches mm -hmm. fire and takes over. You know, and everybody mm -hmm. suddenly wonders why they've been acting like this all their lives. Right. Dumb and the, uh, this is my favorite. And what's contrary to most Hollywood movies uh, is, is that they never, in the end, 
You know, it used to be in Hollywood movies is, is like when you had a rebellious female. In the end, she would find her, she would find her place at last. You know, right, with, exactly. With, with, with Mr. Wright, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen in this film. <laughs> I love this scene here. This is uh, actually this is no joke. I've literally, I think, one of my favorite in, in a movie full of great lines. One of my favorite lines is Crabs going, "If it isn't Dominic." <laughs> Dumb and the dumb boys. I mean, when I give my word, I keep it, huh? Ask anybody, right, huh? Well, shooting these scenes was a little bit nostalgic for me, too, because that was the school that I had attended when I was a kid. <laughs> so I got setting up shots in the same classrooms where I had sat in as a student. <laughs> you know, Dumb, you ought to teach your little brother some manners. Because he's, uh liable to offend somebody. Yeah, what's youth coming to, huh, Krabs? He's clean. By the way, you haven't seen my medallion, have you, dumb? No, I haven't. Doesn't look anything This like is a good music sting in here. Huh? Yeah, something like it. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I sure hope you find it, man. Now, you, you, I think you probably know this film much better than I do. <laughs> I've seen it a lot recently. Yeah. I've seen it more recently than you have. <laughs> I like it because, like, to me, uh, also, I, I like, I, I love uh, uh, Krabs' reaction because uh, to me, Krabs is just kind of a joke uh, up until this point. But yeah. he kind of has a kind of a cool, tough reaction. Uh, yeah, it looks something like that. Yeah. And there's a little Charles Bronson thing there. Not him, we're going to waste. You know, that was supposed to be quite an astonishing idea, carrying a book uh, in school with a gun. And now I understand it's done all the time. Mm -hmm. I think the first time I ever saw something like that, I think it was uh, The Buck and the Preacher. Harry Belafonte had a, a little derringer inside of his Bible. Now, some people have remarked that this movie was a little bit prophetic in, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, what kids in school do. Right. This is such an intense scene. Now, this is a scene I don't think I would do today in a film. <laughs> I think at the time. Uh, a gang rape? A, yeah, I, I find that really kind of distasteful today. But, uh, it, it doesn't go very far. Mm -hmm. How's Guido? Uh, he's all right. Lost a lot of blood, but uh, they say he's got a good chance. Did you say anything? Nothing, man. She's freaked out. If Crab finds trouble, right, then he's going to get trouble now, and we're going to give it to him. Let's get him tonight, all of us. Yeah, this actor liked to to throw tables around mm -hmm. and <laughs> display his hammer. <laughs> he would do that kind of spontaneously. It wasn't uh -huh. really rehearsed that way. Uh, that was okay with me. Uh -huh. Yeah, in this. In this film, I, I encourage the actors to just be very spontaneous and to come up with things that, uh, on the spot, because mm -hmm. uh, normally in directing a picture, you, you're very, very careful to match the action from scene to scene, and right. then everything has to be nailed down so that the editor can work with it. But I, I'd edited quite a few of my own films, and uh, I think I was able to shoot it in such a way that even though the actors did things totally spontaneously that weren't mm -hmm. planned, I knew it would be able to go together, right. and it did. 
yeah, it was like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, if he's going to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it at that angle. I don't, yes. I don't have to mix yeah. it and match it with something else. You know? Yes. And also you have a situation like that where you can always get out of trouble when you've got this, this many people in a scene, because yeah. you can always cut to just one other person and bam, you're out yes. of whatever trouble you're in. Yes. Look, we got to talk. You too, man. See, one of the things, again, just like, uh, uh, um, uh, that's so neat about this is, you know, you know, in a movie of this genre, done for as quickly as you did, how, how, how long did it take you to shoot this? Oh, this was wonderful. I had 20 days. Oh, man. It was a great <laughs> schedule. That's so short time. <laughs> yeah, well. I, I shot Reservoir Dogs in 30 days, and people were like, oh, wow, you shot them in 30 days? Oh, yeah. wow, that's like no time at all. You know? um, well, it, it beats shooting it in 12, I can tell yeah. you that, which is what I've yeah. done a couple of times. But the thing is, is like, I mean, you know, the, you know, you don't like you know, it, maybe you should find some. This film was written. It truly was written. You know, you the actors have scenes to play. Oh yeah, everything. I, I always like to have the script very, very carefully uh, done. And then mm -hmm. once we get on the on the set, mm -hmm. I encourage them to to uh, come up with uh, mm -hmm. things spontaneously in the dialogue as well as in the in the action. Mm -hmm. And if I don't like it, then mm -hmm. I can just cut around it. You know, I, I've seen this film now. Uh, um, it's so great after like you know it's, you know for years like watching the film on video and then like you know it was it was truly terrific. I was very I was very yeah. proud of the fact that we were able to release it theatrically and to see it with like you know I, I saw it with about like at least um, five or six different audiences you know at the theaters you know just to just for the the fun of of, of hearing yeah. you know a whole auditorium of people react and of all the of all the scenes this is the one that would get the biggest reaction. Yeah, because it's quite surprising in, yeah. in here at the time. Mm -hmm. it, you don't expect mm -hmm. the movie to, mm -hmm. to get this intense. Now the thing, the thing is, you know, the thing that's lost uh, when you talk to people about this scene and everything is everyone just remembers her line. You know, uh, uh, it's, it's the biggest laugh line of the entire movie is like when Maggie, you know, goes, you know, if you go, it's gonna turn out bad. Yeah. But the thing is. Before and that's a funny her line reading on it. It's just her line reading that's so funny. Yeah. All right, but the thing is, it's like this is a really intense scene before that happens. I mean, like you know, uh, you know, you can have a little bread suck on your This this little speech he gives, it's like you know, you know, he's a fucking bastard, but his point of view really comes across very you know very very strongly you know in in, in this scene. Yeah, he's a multi-dimensional multi bastard, if you might say. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, you know, he's just, you know. You were lousy. The whole well, I'll tell you about this scene. Uh, the, the writer wrote the scene originally, and I just was not satisfied with it at all. And I worked on it, and I worked on it over and over and over and over again. And uh, I never was really quite satisfied with it. And if I had my druthers today, I would cut that line at the end where she says things are going to turn out bad. Right. It's a very difference when you see a film in a screening room with only a few people, or you see it on a video monitor. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't sense what's going on when you get it with an audience, and all of a sudden everybody laughs. I'm sure you've had that experience right, yeah, in the wrong right, yeah. place, and you want to yeah. go back and cut it. Unfortunately, I never had the opportunity with this film to uh, do a preview and then re-edit it. Mm -hmm. It uh, it had a release date. <laughs> yeah, but actually, one of my favorite pieces of rhythmic dialogue is his uh, uh, is his speech there. Because everything was great before Maggie came along. Everything was lousy. Yeah. You were lousy. This whole fucking gang was lousy. Yeah, <laughs> we worked on the dialogue in, in rehearsal too. This was a this was a very difficult scene to make to make work in the contents of this mm -hmm. movie, and it took a lot of effort. Now this is an interesting scene because mm -hmm. 
Today, when we, I've noticed when we show the, the film in the theater, a lot of the people in the audience have, must have seen it on video or something mm -hmm. because everybody breaks into applause at the beginning of this right. scene. <laughs> and uh, to me, this scene was, uh, was we had to be, you know, mm -hmm. we rented the roller rink and we had to be out of it in four hours. And, uh, right. and it was uh, like just absolute insanity to try to get the scene right. covered in that length of time. And, and I felt it was just a total disaster because I mm -hmm. couldn't get half, the, mm -hmm. half of the, the coverage that I wanted to get on it and, and so much. And yet people call it... You know, one of the great classic scenes. I don't know. It's strange. Uh, oh, it's 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 you know, it's 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 terrific. You know, it's uh, one of the scenes that people really talk about. To me, it was just a, it was just slapped together as best we could get away with it. <laughs> I I'm, I think maybe it appeals to people just because of the idea, the movement, and the, the being on skates and with the oh, guns. Yeah. And of course, now there's not a lot of nostalgia because I don't think they have roller rinks anymore like this. No, at the time, actually. Uh, uh, um, you know, in, in the late 70s, you know, that whole roller disco thing was like a real, you know, big deal for yeah. all, of, all of a year. Now, this, now, i got to ask you a question. This is really weird. I mean, they just had this big fight. Uh, Why are they all so cuddly with each other now? Ask me. Nobody <laughs> seems to notice that, and so I, I, keep, I keep quiet. It was a mistake. My, my girl, my, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, my, I was watching the movie with my girlfriend, you know, Marissa yeah. Vino, and she goes, what the fuck's going on here? I yeah, well, <laughs> being, being, being an actress, she'd be following the drama. And, uh, most people haven't noticed that. It was actually a mistake. I uh -huh. uh, shot the scene at a different time, and, and uh, we were very, very rushed, as I was saying, and having a hard time getting it. And, uh, and the actors weren't really thinking about what had happened just before either. Mm -hmm. And then when you put it together, you say, oh, my God. <laughs> But uh, but it se but it, it seems to work. I mean, nobody who's uh, you're the first person uh, who's noticed it actually. And one thing is kind of interesting about this: <laughs> they just bring out automatic weapons and kill everybody. You know. Yeah. Uh, um, mentioning some of the different uh, 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 silver daggers, and there's uh, there's Hook. Could the actor plays Hook. Yeah, Don Stark. He was uh, very. very this was one of his. One of his first films. He was a very, very talented actor, and he's since become. Uh, I see him in films all the time. Yeah, uh, he's a working actor. Yeah, we're just like mentioning he was. He's in uh, the new uh, uh, Star Trek movie, the, the First Contact. He's That's in right. That. He's, he also had a commercial playing for a while. Uh, I was noticing on TV, and it's so it's so funny because it's like a. Uh, uh, I I really have gotten to really like his performance so much in this movie, and it's one of those things where it's like I'll watch a movie, and like I said. He, He's an actor that still shows up all the time. And you watch him and go, hey, that's Hook! Hey, look, that's yeah. Hook! <laughs> <laughs> now, it was funny because uh, I think probably about a year or so before this movie came out, I lived for about a year in Tennessee. And what's very interesting is in the South, Going to a roller rink was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And that, I mean, that was a big social thing that teenagers did, is they went to the roller rink. You yeah, know? it was like going to a dance. You know, you'd seen someone mm -hmm. and you'd ask if you'd like to skate with me, you know, and yeah. waltz. And that was the whole thing. It was like, I remember going, and it was like, it was, it was just like this. It was just filled with teenagers, you know, and, that, and that's where they hung out. It was a big deal to go to the roller rink. Oh, yeah, I used to go to roller rinks quite a lot when I was... Uh, I, I don't want to tell you what year that was. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was even like a, I, th I think it was even much more like a, a regional thing, you know, like yeah. in, you know, like you know, in particular, like I think in, in the South, it was even like they did even even more. Yeah. Than maybe like in urban areas. Well, I think by the time we did this film, roller rinks were were on the just about starting to die out. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? I probably would have got rid of it. 
This, one of the things I like about this scene is it's like a, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it's, it, you know, you've had the, the, you know, the conflict between Maggie Lace and Dom, but then uh, uh, when Dom dies and she's like telling this story, you know, that Dom really wanted the kid and they were going to get married and when we, the audience, know it's total bullshit, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I love the fact that like the film, you know, uh, um, in, in this scene in particular, you know, kind of goes out of the whole girl gang thing and almost, you know, uh, has this like a 50s melodrama, <laughs> you know, kind of feel and everything, uh, just with the, you know, the, you know, Doug Sirk kind of. Yeah, I still find the scene very moving when I watch it, actually. I know, very much so. That's why I'm in by that. I'll, uh, send Pat to in a minute. i got to give her a list of stuff on you. This, the two leading actresses had a very developed an interesting relationship during the, uh, during the process of the, uh, of the movie, because of the nature of the characters they were playing, mm -hmm. and because of just the nature of actresses playing kind of equal roles in the movie, they, they developed a, a kind of a, not, I wouldn't say a love-hate relationship, but a jealousy-love relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. the, the, the jealousy was, uh, between them was, uh, I think, really got their performances uh, so interesting. What? What did you do? I love one of my favorite uh, line readings by uh, Lace in a movie full of remarkable line readings by Lace uh, <laughs> is the one coming up. He was treating me like a little gutter cat. Yeah, she did really have French <laughs> teeth in that one. I'll, I'll admit. Too much touch to it. I smell her stinking perfume. Stop it now. You just stop it. You gonna let her take it off from you? You're gonna act like the Lace I know. This is great because it's like it's 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 so cool to see this in a modern movie. It's a, the fact that like you know it's like not only is Lace mad, she's going crazy in this oh, yeah. scene. This, I mean, she she's going crazy like the way you know like 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 the way you've talked about before, like the way like a Shakespearean character would just you know become mad, you know, yeah. with uh, jealousy and rage. Yeah. Hey, cupcake. I want to talk to you for a minute. Look, I don't know that. I didn't do nothing, all right? <laughs> hey, look, you think those hoods are gonna stick up for a little fat squirt like you? Wise up. And maybe she'd remember on her way downtown. You heard her. She don't know nothing. So unless you uh, got probable cause, keep your hands off my friend, huh? And a couple of gangs beat up some innocent people at the roller rink. The that line's always cracked me up, you know. A couple yeah, of gangs beat up a couple of, No, I think they, like, machine-gunned uh, a whole bunch of normal civilians, yeah. all right? Yeah, it was a massacre, and he refused it. He refused it, yeah. <laughs> like a little uh, rumble, you know. Yeah. Uh, a couple of heads got, a couple of people got black eyes. It's like, uh, <laughs> think about maybe 30 people, you know, uh, innocent people were, like, just blown away with shotguns and, and M16s. Somebody clean gets hurt, and I'll squash you. You understand? Come on, Donut. It's beginning to stink around here. <laughs> the gang uh, girls in this movie, as well as some of the boys, were actual gang members. They, they, they were mm -hmm. found. I don't remember who found them, but uh, they were the real thing. Oh. Half our guys are still out of commission. But the cops are on to us. This is a great scene. Watching. Yeah, that's all they'll be doing. As long as it ain't their throats that get cut. Actually, uh, um... Time ain't right. We gotta lay low. I think in the audiences I've seen the movie with, uh, after Lace's, uh, 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 uh if you go, it'll, it, it's gonna turn out bad. Uh, Bunny 
I think, has the line coming up here about Hook. Yes. All right, that has the second biggest reaction in a, in a, yeah. in a, in a crowded theater. That had a backbone was Dom, and you left him to die. Shut up, I've heard enough. Will you tell him what to do, Chris <laughs> Head? Look, Dominic is gone, and I'm taking charge. I get the Chris right. Head. We want Maggie. Yeah, we want Maggie. You shut up and sit down. Oh! This gets a big laugh too in the theater. Oh, I know, this is terrific. You're a chicken. Say it! I'm... Come on! I'm chicken. I'm a big, fat, fat yellow chicken. Yellow chicken. I'm a big, fat, yellow chicken. I ain't following no chicken. The line that's coming up is the one you're talking about. Right. Yeah. You'll, 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 hear, you'll know it when you hear it, when Bunny says it. And it's also kind of cool, because he's like, you know, I hadn't really quite realized that Bunny was his girlfriend, you know. And he like, he's like, there's a little snap of the fingers, you know, come with me. Not this time. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Damn it, Bunny, I told you never to call me that. It ain't true. Come on, Hook. Everybody knows you're cranking hook a tuna. <laughs> yeah, I got I to gotta credit the writer with those, with, with those lines. That was his uh, dialogue. Now, it's kind of interesting because, like, this is really a Bunny, Bunny's only, like, super, like, you know, uh, uh, like, big moment where she gets, like, a big laugh line yeah. as opposed to just supporting everybody. And she makes, she almost makes the same impression of somebody like Patch. I mean, you know, the S actress is just so cool. She's, yeah. you know, her personality was bigger than her part. <laughs> Yes, as I recall, actually, I uh, expanded her part somewhat mm -hmm. as, the, as the shooting went along mm -hmm. because she was so effective. Nice going, Mag. We just lost half our muscle. <laughs> Lace be pleased. Did you have anything to do with the trailer that they cut for Switch Oh, yeah, Sister? sure. Because they have the... Yeah, I wrote the trailer, yeah. Oh, because well, they have that, that shot in there of, uh, you know, they're introducing everybody. You'll uh -huh. meet Bunny, you'll meet Liz and yeah. Maggie. All right, you know, and then it goes, you'll meet Patch, also known as the Smiling Cobra, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, oh, she's never called the Smiling Cobra in the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, that's true. No, but a trailer's a different thing. A trailer is a kind of an art form by itself. Right. I had created quite a lot of trailers, actually, mm -hmm. for Roger Corman movies uh, by this time, and uh, so I didn't really entrust anybody else uh, mm -hmm. with it other than uh, I wrote the trailer, made the general plan of it, and right. then uh, someone else edited it. Well, that was the um, that was a uh, uh, standard operating procedure for Roger Corman to uh, get directors ready by putting them in the trailer department, right? Yeah. Well, I actually I had made a huge hit for him, The Big Dollhouse, before uh -huh. I started making trailers, and uh -huh. uh, that was my first trailer was uh, The Big Dollhouse trailer. I have to say, look. That's one of my favorite things in the whole movie. Okay, is yeah. that piece of graffiti? I want to kind of get in your ass, kick pigs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like literally one of my favorite like seconds of the entire movie is that. Yeah. <laughs> well, things like that were the product of uh, of uh, the director collaborating with mm -hmm. all the different people. I've been asked a lot a lot about the this auteur theory, and mm -hmm. uh, my feeling is that what an auteur should be is somebody who knows how to collaborate and get the best work out of his people and uh, encourage them to do mm -hmm. things they haven't done before and come up with new ideas. But the thing is, you know, but but your work, you know, it's it's anything but random. And all, you know, all the films have this, you know, uh, you know, have the same, you know, the 
same level of personality and 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 wit and even Pit Stop, which is like a much more serious movie yeah. than the other films you've done. I can still, you know, uh, you know it, it doesn't mean it's not funny. It's still witty, but it's just like you know, it's, it has a more serious tone. But it's still it's definitely your work. Yeah, that's my stock car racing art film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is your existentialist piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, originally with that film, I, I wanted to, I, uh, Roger Corman was financing, and I said, Roger, I want to make the first car racing film where the hero does not win the big race. And he says, no, Jack, the hero is going to win the big race. <laughs> so I thought about what to do to make to keep my, my stock car racing art film, and uh, the way it came out is the hero wins the big race, but he loses his soul mm-hmm. in doing it. <laughs> Now, this is, of course, where the picture takes a totally different mm-hmm. turn, because we haven't seen any, mm-hmm. any, any mm-hmm. black uh, characters in here, and all of a sudden we're thrust into an entirely different world. And, and this is also great, is, is, yeah, again, this is like, you know, like, like the women in prison section and everything. Now, yeah. boom, you know, you know, it's, it's right at the right time, black exploitation comes in, you know. Too long. You'll have to uh, excuse my girls, but outsiders are not welcome here. Even the cops split. Moved to a healthier... Marlene Clark, um... Uh, uh, appeared in quite a few different uh, uh, films, uh, no- most notably with a uh, black uh, black director Bill Gunn, who, who uh, um, lived a very sh- pretty short life, but did a couple of films. Mm-hmm. One called Stop, and the most seen one is a film he did that she was the star of called Ganja and Hess. All right, that's been released under many different titles, uh, Blood Couple, and just a zillion things. But it's uh, but uh, you know she's she appeared in quite a few movies at this time. Yeah, that's real good. You know, sooner or later, every woman's bound to find out. The only thing a man's got below his belt is clay feet. That always gets a big laugh. I got to credit the writer with that line, too. He came up with some good stuff. Weren't you saying that that's your favorite line in the movie? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, a lot of the the stuff that takes place in the scene is, is no longer really understood by people. But she's waving Mao's little red book there, which which in those days was uh, was a, was a symbol that everybody kind of recognized. It's kind of forgotten today. Oh no, that was a big deal. And she's quoting from Chairman Mao and yeah. those things. I remember there was the there was a big subplot. I think the first time I ever even heard who Mao was uh, was when I was a little kid and I went and saw Car Wash. Oh. And there's like a, the 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 young Jewish uh, 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 son of the guy guy who owns the car wash who's like working there from the ground up because he wants to work with the people and he always has a little Mao book and he's always like yeah quoting from the Mao book quoting Mao, a revolution <laughs> yeah. is not a tea party all right <laughs> they can't I, I, I love uh, 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 what's her name what's the name of the uh, the, uh, the character uh, um, muff uh, not muff but the her, her partner there uh, we can always use more go with the dreadlocks I love yeah. her. I love her little uh, uh, her little Mao quotes. You know, yeah. you know, change begins at the end of a gun. <laughs> Political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. That's you it. Dig? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And actually, somebody asked, pointed it out that uh, <laughs> uh, Coffee's sister is apparently here because she introduces everybody. This is Aza and uh, Java. <laughs> the characters is named Java. Java. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> We're in. For old time's sake. Sanka was in the bathroom, really so she's It's well organized enough. It won't be easy. The, the little things that come in the dialogue with the I, the, the writer was uh, did very well with, mm-hmm. for example, when when. Uh, 
it's quite I think quite an astonishing moment when when uh, when Maggie says that uh, she used to go with her brother mm -hmm. and then you realize a whole background for her life that you hadn't thought of before yeah well Maggie's Maggie's totally the, uh, uh, um, you know, she's the stranger that walks into town, you know, with the uh, you know, unknown past, you right, know, just yeah. a complete blank slate. And you only get a few hints at it every now and then. Mm -hmm. I also love uh, Marlena Clark's uh, 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 line reading. You know, she's like, we got a surprise for this, old crab. This Big car here was actually, was actually my car. It's a 57 <laughs> Volvo, identical to the one that uh, Ingmar Bergman used in Shame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, therefore, I thought it was... Uh, a kind of a nice touch to use it in this film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that car also makes an appearance in the uh, Swinging Cheerleaders at one point. Oh, really? Who, who drives it in the Swinging Cheerleaders? It was just parked there, and somebody uh -huh. was standing in front of it. It was my own car, and uh -huh. I thought it was a very interesting car, so I would try to get it into the movie mm -hmm. whenever I could. <laughs> <So I did>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's perfect for this one, because you see them un unloading all the weapons from right. it later. Well, it's funny, uh, uh, in Pulp Fiction, uh, the... Uh, um, uh, the the red car that um, uh, John Travolta drives, all right, was a car I owned at the time. Oh, really? <laughs> and I used it because I could use, you know, have a cool car and like have him drive it on the grass and just you know <laughs> mess with it with impunity because it was my car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is great. This is the. Always cracks me up in that. She's like an M60 machine gun, you know. And she's like, "Hi, yeah. we missed you. Are you okay?" <laughs> this is great. The, the big battle of the balance of power starts happening here. If you say so, Maggie. Yeah. Okay, listen. At this point, Maggie is still trying to be true to her to her friend, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Maggie totally has the power, and she's not, and she's, you know, she's not using it. Each one of you. I mean, not not in a, you know, yeah. compromising way. She's still being loyal. Mm -hmm. We're gonna carve our names in those bastards' chests. <laughs> See, it sounds like she's got her teeth clenched, but she, they don't really. They're not really. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just the sound of her voice. <laughs> yeah. She had that gritty voice mm -hmm. that I, I can tell you that I, I grew to really, to really uh, made my hair stand up after a while. I love it. Yeah, for yeah. 90 minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after 20 days, <laughs> couldn't get to you. This is also one of my favorite uh, of uh, Lace's line reading is coming up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, here it is. That's a good idea, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, Robin Lee gives one of those performances. It's almost, uh, um, it's almost impossible to watch the movie if you like it and not do lace impersonations mm -hmm. when the film's mm -hmm. over, you know? Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm literally, I've seen it with so many people. You, and, and you grab just little specific lines that you can easily yeah. do like lace, and that's always been one of mine. It's a birthmark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good idea, Maggie. Here, for it. This uh, scene here was shot on the Hal Roach Studios back lot, <laughs> where uh, it was called 40 Acres at that time, I think, and uh, those, all those buildings have been used in maybe hundreds of, uh, of movies. And uh, here again, we had the choice of shooting in an actual street or using a set, and I opted for the set because I wanted to have it really look kind of deserted, and yeah. I wanted it to have a, a, 
a kind of an unreal feeling that you can really get with a set that you can't get in a real street. Oh, I, I love the fact that that it like you know it, it's like a you know it looks like it takes place in movie world like you yeah, know you know, uh, exactly. you know uh, um, yeah. In fact, I think this is uh, I've always said like it, Lace's Princess Leia you know before the time. Uh, uh, here doing this Hairdo, comes out yes. of nowhere, you know. Yeah. It's so cool. Now there's an interesting thing coming up. Uh, there's a uh, there's an extra who appears in the background in a moment that I had never noticed when I was shooting the picture. I only saw it later, mm-hmm. and it was quite an interesting moment. No, I guess I guess it was earlier. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because... Uh, uh, oh, uh, this guy, the guy in the background, you uh-huh. see him? Yeah. Uh-huh. He's the one. Now watch this. <laughs> <laughs> was he just some guy walking on the street? No, or he, he was oh, an extra uh, that uh, the, uh, <laughs> the AD just put, put him there. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the things with extras, you let the assistant director just do it because they really know their job. And, right, and, uh-huh. and that was one of them. You know, it's funny because... Uh, um, I love this this big full scale battle going on here. I, I think it's, it's this scene uh, when uh, 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 Kathleen Murphy of Film Comment, you know, wrote her uh, uh, wrote her big uh, wrote her piece on uh, um, uh, uh, Switchblade Sisters, where she she compared it to uh, 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 Johnny. She compared it to Johnny Guitar. And, well, yeah, uh, that's uh, really pretty far out, isn't it? Uh, she, she compared it to Johnny Guitar of uh, uh, Fassbinder's The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. And she goes, it takes place in, uh, 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 like, Samuel Beckettville, USA, which I think this is what she's referring I think I think this battle scene is what she's referring to. Yeah, I sometimes I wonder where these, these writers get their ideas. Now, this, this uh, homemade tank here was uh, actually uh, copied from an actual uh, vehicle. Not really copied physically, but the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, these actually were were built uh, mm-hmm. by street gangs. It's always great. A little, little kung fu action here. Yeah, yeah this was this is a, a, an example of a scene when you have a when you have a tight schedule and a, and a mm-hmm. low budget. You mm-hmm. let your stunt coordinator you usually hand him something that he can just really go to work on. Right. And this was one that he totally worked out himself. And that was Bob Miner, you said, right? Yes, Bob Miner. Yeah, very talented guy. Again, a lot of this uh, scene you'd have a, it would be terribly expensive to do that on, on a real street, right? With, oh, with yeah. all the traffic and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. But on a set, you've got a really a lot of control. Yeah, you never. Yeah, yeah. It's like you wouldn't have been able to get all the co- the coverage you had if you had to do it on the street and had to right. wait for people. And right. I love I love that little like finger pointing. It was like oh, that's like such a <laughs> neat thing. <laughs> that just happened to be there. I know, but it's just like it's like it was just, yeah. you know it's like. Yeah. The film is just full of like little things like, whoa, what, what the hell's that? Well, you know, what happens, I'm sure you've had this experience uh-huh. too, you know, when you get on a set or a location, you find things right. kind of unexpected, you tend to kind of work them into the action, you see it and you say, hey, let's use this. Well, you know, it's like, a, well, there was, a, there was a thing in Reservoir Dogs, a couple people see it, you know, uh, um, uh, 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 when we used the warehouse that we were shooting in, there was just like this, uh, <laughs> there was this uh, spray paint painted thing on the wall that said, Tony, don't park here. <laughs> and we love that. Yeah. So we put Tony, don't park, you know, uh, Tony, uh, uh, we put all these little Tony things, you know, and then, yeah. you know, Tony, watch your head, yeah. you know, right, right where the overhang of the, uh, yeah. the doorway was. And some people see it and some people don't. You can actually see it in, in the torture scene. The camera actually pans and you can see the Tony, watch your head. Yeah. But we just love the fact that there was like this, 
invisible character named Tony, you know, uh, who uh, was in the warehouse. Not before we get some information. Go away! Don't shoot! Please, I'll tell you anything. That's in a way, it's so much more fun doing a film on a low budget where there's not a lot of investment involved. You have a lot more freedom to, right. to, to do funny little things rather than uh, there are people who have to have a, any change of dialogue or anything and the script has to be signed by two or three lawyers. You know, right, yeah. Like, imagine trying to make a film like that. I know. Though I'm very much a believer of the, you, know, you, you think about it, you work it out and everything, and then it's all from the seat of your pants. Exactly, yeah. So at least you've got a plan you can fall back on so you don't look like a total dummy when you get Right, exactly. Side. Yeah, but when you, like, you know, see something cool like that, you can just keep expanding on it. Yes. Now, we're coming to the climax of the movie right now, and um, I've said this before, I intend to say it again. Um, one of my, um, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things about uh, uh, your films, uh, and it's you know, and it's definitely not an accent because it happens in uh, it happens in this, it happens in coffee, it happens in uh, um, uh, Spider Baby, and to like you know maybe lesser degrees in some of the other ones, uh, but like in very major degrees in those two and those three is. Um, you know, the way I've always described people seeing this movie and how I saw it myself is film starts off and for the first 20 minutes of Switchblade Sisters, I'm watching it and I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm laughing with it and at it at the same time. I'm figuring that that's supposed to be the vibe of the film, that's you right, know? Yeah. And, then I'm, and, and then after the first 20 minutes, I'm not laughing at it anymore. I've kind of caught up with, oh, this, I'm really, this is, this is a, this is a very conscious sense of humor. This is a very conscious pace and everything. And so I'm watching it and, and, and laughing with, and laughing with it. And it's just a big, and it's just a big, great hoot. And I'm having a great time. But unbeknownst to me, the you know the, the you know the, the depth of the of, of uh, 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 the relationship and the treachery and the betrayal and everything between these three characters because it really as far as I'm concerned it really it's, it's not about uh, uh, Lace Maggie and Dominic it's about Lace Maggie and Patch sure um, uh, really takes root without me even noticing it and now it comes to uh, the big um, the big fight scene you know, the big you know the climactic fight to the death yeah. between uh, uh, Lace and Maggie and I remember the very first time I watched it just as the fight starts and, and they starts going on I felt sad I actually I, I and I was and it was amazing this like crazy wild hootie movie you're just having a good time with it and unbeknownst to me I had gotten to actually care about these people I didn't realize when that happened I don't remember any you know but all of a sudden I care about them and they're killing each other right now, and this—I'm not enjoying this. This is, this is, this is hurting me. This is sad, yeah. and it could so easily, you know, like it could so easily be avoided. And you, like, why can't we all well, just learn to get along? That's the, na that's the nature <laughs> of the, cl the classic tragedy. You know, mm -hmm. that's the nature of it, the inevitability of it mm -hmm. from the very first uh, right. moment that the two meet. Uh, everything happens mm -hmm. just inevitably in the story, and it was consciously planned that way. I tried to do that kind of a story. And I, I, I just love, I love the fact that I so like peripherally and and without conscience, uh, not being conscious of it, had started caring about the characters because I had just yeah. been having a good time. Well, it's an effect I. 
And you, you, you did the effect also in coffee, you know, the, the exact same thing you feel in coffee, and, it, and, and also totally in, in, in Spider Baby. And it always, like, in, in the case of this in Spider Baby, it always, like, just kind of, like, I, I find audiences get slightly stunned that all of a sudden they're more invested in this movie than yeah. they realize they were. Yeah. Well, it's what they call the laugh that sticks in the throat. Mm -hmm. That's an effect I, I, try to, I try to get. Have this one. To draw people into it with the, with the humor and then turn it around and suddenly you're very involved. Well, you, you know, you, you've done it. You've done it. You've done it so well all throughout your career, and you know, many people. And that's and that's that's, that's about as hard. That's about it. Well, this effect is about as hard to do as anything you can do. All right, you know, and and, and you you pull it off like a master. Hey, hero, why so glum? Just thinking about something. Yeah. What? Patch didn't shoot uh, crabs by me. So even like in this thing right here, it's like, <laughs> I find this ending so compelling. It's like, a, I feel like I'm, uh, 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 like we're being sacrilegious to like, you know, blab uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over uh, the uh, ending. I'd like to comment on the, on the one thing about the film that people have noticed is the, the, the beautiful color uh, and texture in the, in the photography. Mm -hmm. And that was done by, I had a, quite a discussion with the uh, director of photography in the beginning, how we're going to do this. I wanted to have a lot of optical contrast. I didn't want to have like soft focus effects. Mm -hmm. You know, and haze filters like are so popular, to, you know, to give right. that kind of uh, pastel effect. Mm -hmm. And yet uh, we didn't want it to look too sharp, you know, uh -huh. and, 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 and too movie-like. So uh, he pre-exposed the film, which was a new, uh, a new uh, procedure at that time. He mm -hmm. gave the whole uh, negative film was uh, exposed very briefly to light. I give it a slight fog, oh. so that uh, you you have this kind of a softness in the colors and a kind of a richness in the color, mm -hmm. and yet it doesn't look foggy. Right, exactly. Like so many cameramen do. The optical contrast is there. Right. Oh, that's very interesting. That's yeah, because 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 it's like you know. Uh, um, it's very clear and very colorful, but it doesn't have that sharpness that exactly. you would get if you just went full right. on for that. Right, yeah. So it has, uh, it has contrast in, in the lens, but the film itself, mm -hmm. the contrast in the actual film itself is, is dampened by mm -hmm. that procedure. Mm -hmm. I guess so, Lace. I mean, I, th I think I remember something like that. And that's how she got the medicine. Now, how close... Uh, uh, um, when you guys shot this scene, because I mean, again, the, you know, to me, this whole movie builds up to this scene. That's yeah. how I always can only look at it as a, as a, as a, uh, an audience member and stuff. Uh, did you shoot this, you know, in, uh, in, in something, you know, uh, close to a chronological order as far as like uh, actually doing the climax? Was it done towards the end of the shoot, or no, was I, it just randomly done? And I, I really don't remember. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was done. Uh, you know, you always try to show it as close to continuity as you can, right? Uh, because it, it helps the players. So, uh, but whether it was the final scene uh, mm -hmm. in the picture or not, I don't really recall. Why? Yeah, this has been criticized a lot. This particular moment too. I must say, it was the writer's idea, and I thought it was a good one. Yeah. I mean, what an unexpected thing to do. Oh, I know. When I say so, it won't work anymore, Lace. Walk soft, honey. What was that? <laughs> she said it's no good. We're not buying it. Not from you or Donut either. I didn't mean it. They made me say it. This is great. <laughs> yeah, she patches like, like, it's all falling apart. We gotta keep control. <laughs> right. 
Kitty Bruce, I always thought was just so perfect for this. You know, she was just. Uh... Or anybody else who's got enough guts to take me on. What about you, Jenny? You've got a pretty face that'd look real good with a big scar. <laughs> what about you, Donut? Want me to slice off some of that extra blubber? I'm sorry. But the girls did their own uh, fight in this scene. We didn't use any stunt doubles at all. The uh, stunt coordinator worked with them, and they practiced, and he taught them how to do things, and uh, worked it all out. You can totally tell that. It's always like it was a really cool thing to to actually yeah. look at them, like you know, throwing each other over tables and jumping over tables, and then this real, you know, athletic fight and everything, and to know it was actually them. Yeah, that was that so much. I'm always when I see a film, I always see instantly when there's a stunt double. It's just mm -hmm. something about it that never really quite quite looks the same. Right. And uh, they really were very anxious to do it in this uh, scene, both of them, and uh, they fight uh, when the when the. Yeah, I love those little kind of when you hear the wind whistle. You know. Right. <laughs> it was all you. Liar! I, I worked uh, on the sound effect. I wanted to get the right sound effect of, uh, of the knife actually cutting in this scene when they actually start cutting each other with the knives. And... Uh, I had I had invented the sound effect earlier on the Spider Baby when I have a, a knife cut sound effect, and I tried all kinds of things, and I eventually found that using a film can, a metal film can, and putting adhesive tape on it, and then yanking off the adhesive tape at different speeds and so forth to get the effect, and it's really quite uh, when you when you hear it when they do the the cutting, it's really quite effective, I think. Mm -hmm. Also, like, you don't, again, normally hear this in movies, especially now because of a... Uh, um, there's yeah, one. There's there you one. go. <laughs> <laughs> there was just nothing else that would quite get that sound. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, especially now you don't hear because, again, you know, you work with these, like, you know, uh, uh, you know sound houses and everything is, like, you know, perfect and whatever. I love the fact that during this whole fight, it sounds like a real fight. You hear all the breathing and the... <sighs> you know, they're running out of breath and, you know... Uh, uh, all that stuff, which is like what you would hear would say, kind of normally is cleaned up now, but I actually like the, the reality of just hearing all the grunting and groaning during the fight. Well, that's what the actual sounds recorded on the, uh, during the scene. But see, that's what's so great. The, that stuff sure. a lot of times is like, they get rid of that stuff now. Oh, we'll yeah. do it all over again. They, 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 make, they do a prettier version of it. You yeah, know? to me it never sounds quite right. I completely agree. Now this is something I thought was always really very corny, but people seem to love it. I, oh, it works terrific. It works terrific, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I felt I had to do it that way because by this time, anything we would do with a blood effect or mm -hmm. really cut, it would be, it would suddenly remind you you're watching a movie. That, well, that's exactly how I felt about uh, uh, the ear being cut off in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. It's like I didn't show it. One, because when you see like a, when you see an impotently gory effect in a movie, you kind of, it kind of makes it a movie. Yeah, exactly. You know you're watching a gore effect. By not showing it, it you know, it, 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 you know, you'd be able to put it into a context if you saw it. Yeah. And here it makes it live. Well, I grew up on the, uh, on the Warner Brothers movies of the 40s where mm -hmm. they were not allowed to show bullets entering a body and things like that. So right. they would always come up with these great other ways of getting around it that right, were actually exactly. much more effective. Mm -hmm. you know, you'd see somebody go through a door and then you'd see the bullets go through the door, this right. kind of thing. And I remember in uh, in White Heat, uh, mm -hmm. 
The guy was uh, a prisoner in, in the trunk of a car. Yeah, oh, that's so great. James that's Cagney, so great, yeah. James Cagney says, uh, the guy says, it's hot, hot in here. He says, it's hot in here, eh? And then he shoots, like, through the... Yeah. Get a couple of arrows, and he's like eating a piece of chicken at the same time that he yeah. does it too. Yeah. That's actually one of me and Michael Madsen's favorite scenes. Oh, we my. talk about that. Yeah, to me, White Heat is the last great American movie. Now you see this thing here, right here. That's a great movie. That, that, this oh, is also yeah. very interesting. This is also, again, a very in interesting emotional thing here, because um, it's really good cool when the girls all like you know Jezebels 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 all right and then like you know yeah. Patch who's done all this stuff at the end all right they say she's not one of us and she's ostracized you don't yeah. feel yay good for her you know yeah. I'm glad that she's no you feel kind of sad for Patch yeah she's uh, got the, the worst punishment she could have right and it's 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 not a it's not a hooray moment it's uh, yeah. it's bittersweet yeah I love this music sting with her doing in this speech like, when we do cops Yeah, that's one of the most over-the-top moments in the movie. At the time I shot it, I said, can I get away with this? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, on the other hand, on the other hand, if you underplay a scene like that, it just goes foo. You know, yeah, no, no, she needs to, yeah, exactly. Now, wh whose idea was it to, uh, I just have always have loved uh, the way the door slams and it turns purple. <laughs> Uh, well, it was yeah. It turns purple because we're going into the end credits to match the uh, the uh, the opening credits. It's, it's, such a, it's, it's such a neat, colorful thing, though. I just like yeah. I dig on it so much. It was like people uh, should. I wish people did that more now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a good idea. It was not my idea, but I, I agreed with it. Well, it's it has a that you know it has, a, it has plays in for the same rhythm of the of the movie. Yeah, the purple color turned out to be just the right choice. Yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, um, I'm a big fan of like uh, the. Um, oh, I, I noticed here. I've, 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 I forgot. Yeah, but so. Uh, um, Talk Fujimoto. Yeah. Camera, yeah. He, he was a, he was a fine cameraman at that mm -hmm. time. He was mm -hmm. a friend of the director of photography, and uh, he did it really more for the fun of it than anything else. Yeah, and you also have uh, uh, Tina Hirsch, who went on to uh, being a very successful editor, was your script supervisor. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. She edited uh, um, uh, she edited Joe Dante's films for years. Oh. She edited Gremlins and she edited The Driver, Walter Hill's movie, The Driver, one of the, some of the best car chases ever filmed oh. were in The Driver. The script, yeah, I remember the script supervisor was very good in this thing. It had everything we needed to. Carthay Studios, they're still there today. Yep. Are they still there? Yep. <laughs>